As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're an open-minded racer with a desire to improve on the racetrack, This Is Bracket Racing Elite can provide the tools to help you do so. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. This week on What Everyone is Talking About. Well, Luke, it might not be what everyone is talking about, but it's definitely what is being talked about in the Bogacki household. Tell us a little bit about your week and Jack Noah Bogacki. Yeah, like I have no idea what everyone else is talking about at this point. We've been a little bit, uh, <laughs> we've been a little bit inundated in this household. 11.57 a.m. Sunday morning, June 24th, our second baby boy was brought into the world, Jack Noah Bogacki. So mama's healthy, baby's healthy, and uh, life is good here in Illinois. We actually just got everybody back home as we record this Tuesday evening within the last couple of hours. So uh, we are a, a full family of four here. Of course, shortly after we got home, the power's out. So I'm actually standing here <laughs> in the dark right now recording with you guys. And we got some friends over taking care of Jess and, uh, and keeping Gary company and making sure little man's taken care of. It's been an awesome couple of days, Big Jed. Man, that is awesome. For those that don't know, you guys chose to not know the, the gender of the baby. You were surprised at birth, which had to be an amazing moment. He was eight pounds and 21 inches, so he's no puppy. He was a couple weeks <laughs> early, so he wasn't even fully brewed yet. But 
that had to be an awesome time for you and, and Jess and Gary. So congratulations first and foremost, man. We're really happy for you guys and, and glad to hear everybody's doing well. Thank you. No, it, uh, it is, I mean, anytime you bring life into the world, like it's a, it's a special moment. And obviously this is from the male perspective, but the, the, I don't think that my wife would use the term smooth necessarily, but the, <laughs> the birthing and, and labor process went as, as smooth as could be expected. And for those that aren't as familiar with our family, like we obviously, we have a five-year-old little Gary in between, we also had a, a, a pregnancy where we lost the baby a couple of years ago. And it's just when you step back on it with that perspective, I guess, looking back with Gary, our whole pregnancy was just so carefree. And, and you know, we didn't know any better. So we were just excited about everything and happy-go-lucky. And after you go through something like we did with with Caden a couple of years ago, you you never have that innocence again. So this this entire pregnancy was the polar opposite of that. I mean, you just worried to death about everything and and every detail and and just constantly kind of looking over your shoulder, waiting on the next shoe to drop. It's just a very anxious, nervous pregnancy. That I know that we're not the only family that's that's been through something like that. Sure. And those of you that can't have can certainly attest. So. When everything's said and done and Jack Noah comes out healthy and and mama's fine and, and he's doing great, like relief isn't the right word, but just the emotions of it all together, it's, it's a day that we will never forget. It was super special. I'm sure. We're very excited for you guys. With that being said, you're uh, going to participate kind of in and out. You got some duties there, so there'll be a part of the show that I know you're not a part of, but while you're here... What everyone is talking about is Dylan Huff. Luke, uh, I mean, I'm not this sure young man. this is what everybody's talking about either, Big Jed, but if not, it's what everybody should be talking about. <laughs> yeah, very well said. There's a lot of people talking about it. I don't know if this news had gotten back east out here where we're at uh, like it should, but Dylan Huff had a heck of a six-day span out there on the West Coast in junior dragster racing. This, this young man really tore it up. Yeah, well, we say West Coast, it is the Western Conference Junior Dragster Finals. And I know we don't spend a lot of time on Junior Dragsters in the show, but this is worth noting. This event is actually took place in Tulsa, which is, I guess, middle of the country. But it was the West Coast Finals. And Dylan is a West Coast kid, Junction City, Oregon, which is only 32 hours from Tulsa, if you remember <laughs> it. Shout out Cole Castile. <laughs> Those of you familiar, and admittedly, I'm not. From a distance, I can see what happens at these Junior Jack Street finals. Never been a part of one uh, as a racer or as a parent or as a spectator, for that matter. But there's obviously the main event that caps the week. But it is a week-long ordeal. And in in Tulsa, there was actually six individual races. And Dylan, who is 15 years old, again, 32 hours from home, this was his scorecard for the six events. Quarterfinal, semifinal, win, first round exit, win, win. With the final one being the Western Conference Finals, the, the crowning jewel of the event. So he won half of the races, including the biggest one. At 15 years old, a half the country away from home. As, as crazy as it is to believe, that didn't make him this week's Who's Hot. We'll get to that. But we thought it was absolutely worth mentioning. So shout out Dylan Huff. Yeah, great job, Dylan and Luke. 
you know, you're talking about the Western Conference Finals, which is the junior dragster racers on both uh, the West and the East Coast, largest event of the year. So these racers qualify to be there. It is uh, heavily attended, so it's probably the most rounds he's had to race somebody in quite some time. So when you put all that together and think about the performance they had, it just makes it that much more impressive. So Dylan, that was a very, very hot performance. Congratulations to you and your family. I know that had been a special six-day span for you. I hate that you didn't get our who's hot, but uh, it was a very, very good performance coming up that we're going to talk about here in just a moment in our secret performance, Who's Hot. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Our secret performance, Who's Hot, uh, read this week is, again, going to be a testimonial from one of Luke Siebert's customers and Andy Klosky, which is a listener of the show and happens to be a good customer of Luke's as well, had this to say. I can't say enough about Siebert performance. Not only did Luke take the time to work with me on a rotating assembly that I wanted a certain way, he was very competitive in his pricing. And as a budget conscious bracket racer, getting the best quality parts within what I can afford to spend is a huge deal. Heck yes, Siebert Performance is 2,108 miles from me, but why not support the people that support sportsman drag racing? So that's a great read there, great testimonial for uh, Siebert Performance. Luke's a great guy and obviously helped Andy out a lot. Andy's from the British Columbia, Canada area, so he is way up there, way above Junction City, Oregon long way from there as well. So thank you for that, Andy, and um, we appreciate you sending that our way for Luke. But Luke, this week's Super Performance Who's Hot, uh, and again, I'm sure you're not as connected, like you said, as you want to be, but you probably still heard about this. This guy performed extremely well, and it's like this growing trend of guys hitting the bottom finishing off uh, the bottom bulbers in these events where they're separated and then sliding over into the box side and competing at a high level and winning big races. And Jake Howard did just that at Tommy Phillips' Lone Star Summer Shootout. I don't know if you got to see that or not, but you probably saw a little bit about it anyway. I kept up with about everything that happened up until 6 a.m. Sunday morning. So I saw Jake's <laughs> dominance Friday. I saw that he went deep again Saturday. No idea what happened after that. But yeah, as you said, delay boxes, overrated? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, we're talking about elite uh, bottom bulbers. And what's near and dear to my heart is both, and, and not, don't want to take away from Jake and mention Kevin Pollard, but we all know what Kevin's done and, and has started that trend as well. These guys, Jake, Kevin, they're foot brake racing. They're swapping feet. They're not using trans brakes and, and buttons. So that's obviously something that is a little more special to me. So great to see that. But Jake, Friday, he won the no box side of the Lone Star Summer Shootout. And he had, uh, uh, Mark told me uh, off air, he had a, a broken ladder bar bracket. Apparently got that fixed, maybe found somebody with a welder and got that straightened out somehow yeah, or another. I mean, that's not a duct tape and tie wraps kind of fix there. Because... <laughs> no, it's not. Mark said maybe they got a hose clamp, but he was kidding. He knows they, they can't put a hose clamp on that. But obviously got it fixed, got it together enough to finish off the no box side and then slid over into the box side. Still foot breaking, gets the win in the main event as well. Saturday won the no box side again, slid over into the box side and went red at six. 
and then uh, Sunday went got down to six again off the top bulb. So Jake with a heck of a performance uh, out there in Texas at the Lone Star Summer Shootout, which we'll talk about some more results in that event here really soon. But congratulations, Jake Howard. Heck of a performance. Um, really, really got it done the hard way, if you ask me. And uh, proud of you, bud. Great job. Good luck as you move forward. Pretty, yeah, just incredible story all the way around. But I'm I'm a little bit hazy on one detail that you just went over from Jake's weekend, Big Jed. And and again, I don't want to take any credit away from him. This is incredible. This is Kevin Pollard type stuff, right? And we laid gifts at the feet of Kevin yes. Pollard last week. <laughs> it was it had a box in it on Sunday. Did he enter the box side all weekend as well? I believe that he did. I, I saw. I would hope uh, that he did because otherwise, what on earth would prompt Jake Howard on Sunday morning? Like, I'm gonna put a box in. Like, you hadn't yes. done well enough to that point, right? Oh yeah, that is correct. Yeah, he was. Mark's, <laughs> Mark's, <laughs> Mark's telling us now he was running a love machine. Oh, the love machine. Yeah, he had the. Uh, pardon my, pardon my French here, but this is what he called. He had the fire turd and uh, in one class and had the love machine and another and was hitting the top there so yeah that makes sense now that that adds it all up but jake's had a phenomenal year uh, he has performed very well and i'm sure we're going to be hearing more and more about him going forward so luke that was uh, obviously our who's hot segment and we talked a lot about what jake did there at the lone star summer shootout at the texas motorplex there in ennis texas but uh, there was a there was some more racing that happened a lot more racing tommy uh, looked like put on another great show yeah, imagine that. I think that's what <laughs> the attendees, the participants in the Lone Star Summer Shootout have come to expect, and uh, and with good reason. That seems to uh, that seems to be a well-oiled machine. Bit by bit, results. Was there anything here that jumped out to you from the Lone Star Summer Shootout, Big Jed? Well, obviously, what Jake did was uh, very impressive, and. Uh, again, I, I know you were not as connected as you wanted to be this weekend, but you know uh, Nathan Martin had a uh, 64 car shootout win over Aaron G and where Nathan blew the motor up uh, maybe in his last time shot and had to jump in a, a car he was not familiar with and just go straight into first round and ended up getting a win in the shootout. So, you know, that's a, that's a difficult challenge. I know, um, it's not like jumping in something foot breaking that you, you need a shot at the tree or whatever, but it's still a difficult uh, task to, to pull off. And Nathan got that done. It was pretty impressive by a former million-dollar winner. Yeah, definitely a difficult task and a noteworthy accomplishment. But just knowing Nathan the way that I know Nathan, that is the not a surprise by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I actually, I don't even know if you're aware of this, Jed. When I was in high school, I worked for Nathan Martin when uh, Nathan was running Cameron race cars. It was actually might have been the not the first job I ever had. One of the first jobs I ever had. It was it was uh, I was the first employee, which I was 17 mm. years old. I pretty well swept the floors, but. <laughs> I've got a lot of Nathan Martin stories that most of them just highlight his amazing talent behind the wheel. Like he's the guy, if you had to jump in, if you had some 430 door car sitting there that never been down a racetrack and needed somebody to jump in it with no time trials and bracket race it, like he'd be the guy. Like there's nothing he can't drive. So that surprises me none, but nonetheless, shout out to him. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive. And again, outside of that, we told you what Jake did. He got that uh, no box win on Friday over Cole Herbold. Uh, he got the um, Friday uh, 
went over uh, the main event went over Chris Dollar. Shout out Chris Dollar, my buddy Chris Dollar. He's come out of retirement. Like I don't think he's bracket really? raced in years, as far as I know. He's a pro mod crew chief these days. So right. good for him. Yeah, good, great job. Brodick Cylinder Heads 32-car shootout was won by Jason McFarland over Danny Ray Martinez. Saturday's 32 no box again was won by Jake Howard over uh, another good buddy, John Long Jr. there. And how about uh, Stephen Hughes? We had a shoe sighting. Yeah, the shoe. Haywood gets the, gets the <laughs> win there <laughs> in the main event on Saturday over Cortland Carter. Cortland's had some good performances of late. Uh, had another uh, eight-car shootout where Kurt Harvey, our old crazy buddy Kurt, got the win over Trip West. Another, um, the uh, Scoggin Dickey race shop last chance race was Nick Smith over. I, I'm not familiar with this last name. You might know it, but it looks like Biorum. Mike yeah, Biorum. that's right. Yep. Okay. So, uh, if not, we'll roll with it anyway. Yeah. And, and for those of you like you youngins out there, if the name Stephen Hughes doesn't ring a bell, like these days, Stephen is dad and is known around the Houston Raceway Park circles. But like, that's a dude that he's won the million dollar race. Like, he's been down, been around the block a time or two. So, no shock to us that he's uh, graced the winner's circle at the Lone Star Shootout. You youngins like Stephen Hughes, Stephen Hughes, hey, yeah, he's, he's pretty good at this. That's a former roommate, too of yours so you and you and the shoe i think i don't know if i'd go that far he lived in my driveway for for (laughs) an extended period of time yeah (laughs) okay close enough uh so they had a another uh the lucas oil 32 car no box uh race on sunday was won by kenneth hillen over my buddy jesse cervantes and uh the main event was uh michael pennington former million dollar runner up to mr luke bogacki uh, got the uh, win over Casey Swift. So, again, looked like a well-attended great race there from Tommy in the Lone Star Summer Shootout. And uh, a lot of great racers performed at a high level, like always. But looked like all in all, everybody had a great time, which, again, as you said, has uh, come to be the expectation. So, Norwalk, Luke, a lot of good racing there. They had some weather challenges at the Summit Racing Equipment and HRA National event. But all in all, it like a, it wrapped up well. Good event. Anything there kind of jump out at you? We had a Team Luke sighting. Yeah, I thought that would come up. Top sportsman to the lanes. Top sportsman to the lanes. I've really got a harp on top sportsman because it's the one class that I feel like I have a shot at predicting the world champion in. Not looking too good <laughs> in anything else. So Big Mac. Got it. Almost got it done. Ended up runner up in, uh, in top sportsman to Dusty Meyer. At Norwalk, Mark McDonald is a member of Team Luke. Go Team Luke. Shout out to to Dusty Meyer and to his cousin, Rachel Meyer. Dusty won, was it Topeka National Event for his first national event? Followed that up with a second at Norwalk. He might be a hot free agent when we do the redraft, NHRA redraft. And then his, his cousin, Megan. Megan Meyer got the win in Top Alcohol Dragster. I know we don't spend a lot of time on Top Alcohol Dragster, but uh, Megan, friend of the podcast, and a pretty cool story to uh, have two family members holding up the ice cream scoops at Norwalk. No doubt about that. And speaking of friends of the podcast, uh, Dan Fletcher got the win in Super Comp, a category he doesn't compete in a ton, but uh, when he does, he always seems to make some noise. Ruin my wife's claim to fame. (laughs) Because <laughs> to this yeah. to this point, Dan Fletcher's only Super Comp win was in my wife's dragster. She can't say that anymore. 
Dan got the win over B Folk. I mean, those two guys were on fire. I was keeping up with the round by round results. I always watch Super Comp a little bit closer than anything else. Those guys were driving lights out, and then uh, B Folk turned it red in the final. So Fletch with win, I believe it was win number 104. Oh, my goodness. Just his second in Super Comp. And I know another class that we don't talk about very often here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is Competition Eliminator. But friend of the podcast, David Rampey, scored a victory at Norwalk as well. His 97th career national event. So Rambo inching ever closer to 100. And he gets stat, man. Like, Austin Williams, where are you at? Austin Williams, how many times? have David Rampey and Dan Fletcher shared the same winner's circle. Because between them now, that is 201 national event victories. I'd be curious to know. I bet it's, I bet it's north of a dozen that they've held trophies on the same day. Wow. I'd be interested to hear that result as well. So, A-Dub, tell us that. Uh, Luke in Superstock, what is just about as cool as it gets. This guy has dedicated his life to drag racing and it's not only on the track but off the track he was our media expert on the cdl discussion that we had many many shows back and uh, takes wonderful photos for his publication and for nhra john de bartolomeo got the win in Superstock. john doesn't give himself a lot of opportunities either but when he does man he races well really well yeah, no, Johnny D is a Hall of Famer on a variety of levels, but certainly behind the wheel as well. And I believe, I don't think I'm mistaken in saying this, I, I think he's won in Superstock before, but he has national event wins in Supergas, Superstock, and I believe Supercomp as well. So a guy that we think of these days as a media guy, but he's a driver. Yes, he is. So those were the, the noteworthy performances there at the um, Summit Racing Equipment NHRA National Event. The IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular that was scheduled for Keystone Raceway, Luke, once again, an absolutely dismal forecast uh, caused those guys to have to reschedule. They will move that event to August the 3rd through the 5th there at Keystone Raceway in uh, Pittsburgh or the Pittsburgh area. And they wanted us to know, and, and we're actually going to talk to Scooter Pico with IHRA here coming up in just a little bit. And we'll, we'll get into this a little more, but they wanted you to know if you wish to maintain your entry to the rescheduled weekend, you basically don't have to do anything. It'll automatically transfer. Just show up. You're good to go. If you do wish to withdraw from the event, and we hope you don't. We hope you give those guys a great opportunity to serve you. Uh, simply send Scooter an email at spco, that's S-P-E-A-C-O, at IHRA.com with the name of the online entry, the way it's registered, and he'll take care of having the ticket company process the refund. So pre-registration for the new event will reopen and not close until July the 23rd. And you can wait to the 23rd to withdraw if you want to, uh, if the date doesn't work for you. But we hope that everybody that entered will make the new event. And we certainly hope to see them gain some more traction and get some more entries. That's August 3rd through the 5th that the Summit Sportsman Spectacular has moved to. And then Luke, the top ET challenge, Tony Saracini put that on uh, with Steve Earwood down there at Rockingham Dragway. Was at scheduled the Rock. To be, at the Rock. Was scheduled to be three uh, 20 granders, triple 20s. I think they uh, come up just a tad short of that uh, needed car count to get to the 20s, and they moved them to 10Ks, which still wonderful paydays 
there were some pretty strong performances there as well. Uh, Shannon Justice got the win over Michael Pascal on Friday, but uh, of interesting note, Pascal had two entries left at four. Uh, got one to the final, obviously, with a runner-up. So runner up that 10-grander leaves there to go to Saturday's uh, event at Piedmont Dragway and ran his dad in the final there and won. So Michael Pascal, definitely a guy that makes a lot of noise over in that part of the country and uh, had a pretty good two-day span himself. That was uh, pretty cool to see. And then uh, the gamble paying off and going and running dad in the final there at Piedmont. I don't know if it's a points race or something that he needed to make, but it, it looked like it worked out really well with a pretty special final round for him on Saturday. And uh, Saturday with uh, Pascal out of the picture, John Bridges took advantage of that and got the win over Trey Sasser. And oh, then John Bridges, John Bridges of B&M Series fame. Same John Bridges? You know, I would assume that's the same guy. It has to be, wouldn't it? I think well, he's I back it at it. Seems, if memory serves, I believe he bought a new American car. He's out of racing for over a decade there. Yeah. But that's the guy that used to just tear him up back in the day yes. when in the B&M Series infancy. Uh, I believe he won the B&M Series championship at least once, right? Yeah, I think he did. And John did make a lot of noise in the B&M Series in those early days. I didn't even think about that as I was reading the results. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, Definitely a, a legendary type figure there. Glad to see him getting back into racing, if that is truly the same John Bridges, and I'm sure it is. Well, we and know Sunday, that you just read the teleprompter, Big Jets. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, look at this. Mark's putting us a note in Oh, here. Mark's on it. Producer Mark, on it. 21 years after winning the B&M Series Championship, John Bridges takes 10K win there at uh, Saraceni's event at The Rock. So that's cool. Congratulations, John. And then Sunday wrapped up with Brandon Collins getting a win over Andrew Davis. So uh, that's the results portion of the show. Looked like some great performances, some great events, and uh, congratulations to everybody. So, Luke, uh, we're going to pay a couple of bills right here, and we're going to talk to Scooter Pico coming out of this break. You have some business you need to handle, and uh, we'll get back with you on the wrap-up. I got some feeding, some burping to get to. You guys can knock out Scooter and... Thanks for having me on, Big Jet. Hey, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> All right, gang, this is going to be a bit of a different advertisement. I just want to take a minute to talk about some of the things that we've got going on within This Is Bracket Racing Elite. As most of you have probably gathered, Elite is an exclusive membership community within which my co-instructor, Kevin Brandon, and I work to help our members become the, the best version of themselves that they can be on the racetrack. And we do that via regular training videos, blogs, a group-wide practice regimen with weekly challenges, live video chats, and more. Recently, we've made some additions to This Is Bracket Racing Elite in an effort to better impact our growing variety of, of members. We've hosted a handful of in-depth, long-form interviews. Again, this is exclusive to our members with some of the biggest names in our industry, like John Kyle, Peter Biondo, Tommy Phillips, Jason Lynch, and most recently, Austin Williams. Within these interviews, I don't know, these these, these are long. They're an hour plus, and we kind of get to know these guys, try to find out a little bit about what makes them tick, and hopefully apply some bits and pieces of their approach to our own individual programs. In addition, 
We've recently created a subgroup of This Is Bracket Racing Elite specifically for super class racers, 890, 990, 1090 competitors. This subgroup, which is just an addition to the regular This Is Bracket Racing Elite content, includes nothing but super class specific trainings, chats, and discussion. Does that sound interesting? I guarantee you that it's better than I can make it sound here on the podcast. You can ask any of our 150 plus current members. Learn more and join by visiting thisisbracketracing.com. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. time for the big interview on the sportsman drag racing podcast with luke and jed all right guys as we talked about just a little bit earlier when we were discussing the events from the weekend the results we talked about the ihra summit sportsman spectacular that had to be moved at keystone raceway park we talked a little bit about how they're going to handle the pre-entry situation and we told you we're going to have scooter pico on the phone and we have scooter pico he's the vice president of the ihra it's a pleasure to have him scooter how you doing tonight good jed thanks for having me i appreciate it yes sir it's our pleasure we appreciate you taking some time to come on so, Scooter, I want to start uh, with our listeners. Uh, everybody's familiar with the IHRA. You, you've been a, a long-time sanctioning body and done a lot of great things in and for our sport. But I'd like you to explain your role with the IHRA and, and how long you've been with them. This is my 15th season. I raced with them before joining them, actually. I was a IHRA 1090 class racer. And then started with IHRA when Bill Bader actually still owned it by himself. Uh, it seems like forever ago, but <laughs> it yeah, it's been 15 years now. Yeah, it does seem like forever. So basically, I've got under my watchful eye all of the competition folks that, that make up the IHRA, from membership to tech to chassis certs to the division directors, Pretty much everything that that makes the competition part of IHRA go round, that's what our group controls and, and oversees. Wow, that that takes quite an umbrella to cover all that scooter. It gets interesting. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> sure. that's one word for it i'm sure so scooter we've talked at length here on the sportsman drag racing podcast about the summit sportsman spectacular and the changes that you guys made there at the ihra moving from uh, your traditional class racer type format to this what was the thought process behind that change it's kind of two-part first part is you know we've always considered the sportsman racer to be the core of IHRA, whether it was under any one of the six owners that I've worked for personally over the last 15 years, that everybody has their ideas on national events and, and class racing and what that should all look like. But we've never really wavered from the fact that a lot of our efforts have gone into the local sportsman racer, the member tracks, 
and specifically through our Summit Super Series program, uh, which has been running for, uh, I think, 17 or 18 years now at all of our member tracks uh, on a weekly basis, crowning a world champion in, in Memphis at the end of the season. So when when our ownership group, our new ownership group decided, you know, we're not going to go national event racing anymore, we're going to concentrate on our core business, it was a pretty you know, easy decision to say, Hey, let's, you know, let's refocus our, our efforts on sportsmen. Now that we have a lot of our time that became available, no longer doing national events, how do we get back to our roots and, and grow the sport and make it better? And, I, and I'm not talking about, you know, how do we make it better financially for us or, or for the member tracks, but how do we make the sport better? And that's really something that we've always considered job one, you know, how, how do we make the sport better? So we've turned our attention. Uh, we tried we tried to save the class racing program, threw a lot of money at it, threw a lot of effort at it, and, and that just wasn't going to happen for a number of reasons. So then we, we said, look, you know, we have this Summit Super Series program that runs at, at all of our tracks every week. It's the number one program for all of our member tracks. We, we certainly have, you know, almost 10,000 people that register their X number and, and race it every year. So how do we maybe not duplicate that, but how do we go back to that person and make other programs for them that can run at our local tracks, that can have contingency, that can have all these cool things that go on now in the marketplace? How do we get that to the regular Saturday night guy? So that's really what steered us in the path of, of doing these some of the spectacular events to try to touch as many of those local guys, you know, as we can with a value oriented program. All right, Scooter. So we've talked about at length here through the reads and things about the format and, you know, what it pays and, and what the entry fees are, but tell us what the summit sportsman spectacular is. Tell us about your format. Let's get some detail on it. Well, at its, at its core, it's a, uh, it's a Saturday $10,000 to win race and a Sunday $5,000 to win race. It, it pays $100 a round starting at third round winner. It has a lot of the components to it that other, uh, I guess, traditional big money racing has in it, you know, like the racer barbecue and golf cart races and just thousands of dollars worth of round prizes and things that, that kind of make it fun that surround the event. So it's it's kind of a happening, not just a race. We took a pretty broad look at what was in the market before we, we sat down as a group and, and tried to come up with this format. And there's so many good races out there, you know, your races and, and Luke's and, and SFG and Ace and the list goes on and on. So mm-hmm. we didn't really want to get in there and, and compete in that space at those particular price points, we had to figure out what we could design that would reach our core audience, which is the guy who's in our Summit Super Series right now. He's, you know, there's most 10,000 of those guys that are participating on a weekly basis at all of our tracks. So our focus really was to try to get to those guys or get to the local track level and bring them a race that had the look and the feel and the flavor and, and all the things that the big money racing has and, and still race for, for good money. But our whole goal was to bring it in at a, at a price point that was $150. Mm-hmm. 
And, and we do that by, you know, having, if you pre-register, you get both races for 150 bucks. If you don't want to pre-register, you certainly don't have to. You can come to the gate. It's 150 on Saturday and 100 on Sunday. But basically, we were trying to create a package where if you bought Saturday, you got Sunday free. And I thought, you know, if we can deliver a free $5,000 to win race with $100 round money attached to it, plus the bonuses, plus the round prizes, we might really have something. And and that, I think, is a price point that, you know, the local guys can can get, can get to and can afford. Not everybody can swing five or $600 entry fees. Uh, not everybody can swing uh, spending a grand or two grand a weekend. So we thought, you know, that's never really kind of been our forte. We've always been sort of the, you know, champion of the little guy. So that's really where we wanted to go with this. And we were very conscientious on trying to, you know, stay off of other events, stay off of other track points races. And when we scheduled this thing, and and of course we've, you know, lost four of the first six events to rain and canceled them before we even got on site. So we kind of blew that mm-hmm. schedule up, but we know that there's a, a lot of guys, a lot of local guys looking for something more than their local bracket race. So we're, we're going to try to fill that space as best we can. Yeah. I mean, you, you talked about didn't want to compete with these large races. We all know the racing, the bracket racing landscape is just fruitful right now with all the oh, big yeah. money events, but your format is what racing needs. We need more of that. And it's honestly, it's what, when I sit with my local racers at my local track, it's the event that we say we want. Now, if somebody would do that four or five times a year, man, that would be all you really need. That's all you need to chase. And it's very, very affordable. The pre-entering for the $150 and getting Sunday's five grander for free, even if you don't do that, Scooter, it's a great value at 150 for the 10 grand or 100 for the five. You're going to great facilities that have a lot of racers in the surrounding areas. So it should be when the weather cooperates with you and, and bless you guys heart man that is oh my goodness we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit but when the weather cooperates it it looks like it's the perfect racing format it really does i think you guys have done a wonderful job getting that where it needs to be for the racer that can't chase the mega events well we, we appreciate that and we spend a lot of our time trying to figure out how to reinvent the wheel sometimes but you know at the end of the day as a sanctioning body we don't have the luxury of being able to go out and and put on one race or two races or even three races. When we do something that has to kind of meet two criteria, you know, one, it has to be scalable. I can't, you know, Summit's not interested, uh, and Mosier's not interested, or, or all the contingency sponsors are not interested in one or two races. You know, we have to package up sure. 10 or 15 or 20 to, to make it worth anybody's while. As an individual promoter, you're not bound by that. You can go out to track XYZ, do your race, and you're good to go. So for us, it has to be scalable. And and secondly, it has to be sustainable. We are not in the business of going into something for a year or two. You know, this is when we do something, it's with the intention of we're going to be doing this for the next decade. So whatever we put down on paper, whether it was the design of the Summit Super Series, or class racing, or whatever the case may be, the thought process is, is, let's do this for 10 years and then see what we need to change. This is not a year-by-year thing. Sure. So I think for the for the local guys to have any confidence in this or 
you know, know that, that they're going to come out and support it and we're going to be there next year or, or we're not going to run away with their money or in the case of a rain out like we've had, you know, we're not, they're not going to get their refunds or something. That's things that other people have done to them that have them a little gun shy. And, and we're saying, Hey, we're the sanctioning body, man. We're, we are going to be here. This is not going to be an issue. If you want your money back, you're getting your money back. We do what we say we're going to do. And if there's 500 cars or five cars, that purse that we put out there, that's what we're paying. Take it to the bank. So I think for us, it's, it's kind of an educational program to get to the local level. And, you know, the other hard part is from what we're seeing at the events that we have completed, there's about a third of the racers are IHRA members, a third of the racers are NHRA members, and a third of the racers don't belong to anybody. So we really haven't been able to talk to two thirds of our customer. But they don't look at IHRA.com and they're not on our Facebook page. And they really, from what we've seen, haven't really, uh, you know, populated the message boards. They're they're kind of watching their local area and their local track. And that's between them and their buddies. That's how they get their information. So getting to those folks and being able to deliver the messages is pretty important. Next year, we'll know who they are or some more of who they are. But, you know, right now we're just talking to the IHRA guys and hoping they tell their friends. Sure. Yeah. Obviously, you're working hard to build the trust with your customer base, with your format, but it sounds like you're definitely doing your part. And, and it's almost, as you talked about that, it's almost like you had my uh, interview notes. <laughs> so I was going to say, you guys have had some, obviously, some tough weather challenges this year. And we talked about it, or I did a little bit earlier about how the pre-entries and things will be handled. But so they've got it from the voice of IHRA. Tell us how you're handling that as you've had to adjust event dates. When a guy pre-registers and we, we do pre-registration through our website, through a third party called the FOAT, they're a group that basically is, is only motorsports. They, they sell motorsports tickets for venues around the country. You register. I'm actually the one that works with the FOAT myself. I'm the one that looks at the back end of the software. I'm the one that sets up the tickets and puts the pricing in. And and I'm the one that if you have a problem or you need a refund or whatever the case may be, you email me and I personally handle it with them. It doesn't go around the office. It comes to me. I make sure you get your money handled. I make sure it's done in a timely fashion, which the FOAT has been fabulous with. And all they do is send me an email and, and we take care of it. And if you don't want to transfer out of a race and you want to just hang on and see what's going to happen down the road at the rescheduled event, no problem. Don't do anything. Your entry transfers and it's all good. But I, I think people were kind of blown away at first that, A, I'm handling it and B, it, I mean, they literally, I don't think it takes three or four minutes from the time they send me an email to the time their refund's in process. Um, and I think, again, that's part of building the confidence with the customers and, and letting sure. these guys understand this isn't you know, this isn't a fly-by-night deal. This is serious, and we take this seriously because 85 or 90% of us in IHRA, we're all racers, too. You know, we, yes. we, we understand. We get it. Yeah, and I, I mean, uh, from a racer standpoint, all you could really ask of the, the promoter or the sanctioning body that you're, you're supporting is that, you know, they have your best interest in mind and your money is safe, and it sounds like all of that is happening with the IHRA, so you know, really no reason. It's it's not really a risk situation. It's just prepaying for an event and your money's 100% safe and the vice president himself is issuing your refund when you ask for it. So I don't <laughs> imagine it 
I don't imagine it gets much better than that in any uh, series or sanctioning body. We try to make sure we check all the boxes. Yes, sir. It sounds like you're doing just that. Scooter, I talked a little bit about uh, the you know premier facilities. You're going to great facilities. Where are your races being held? Really tried to start our year at the brand new facility in uh, at Extreme Raceway in Texas, which mm-hmm. is a brand new, you know, still has the new track smell, um, brand new <laughs> facility. Stated, I mean, it's really, really nice. Dragway 42, uh, which we just did a few weeks ago, they haven't. I think they're getting close to being open one year now. They're really, in my book, still still pretty brand new. We go to you know longtime pro am tracks, state capital raceway, Keystone, uh, which we rescheduled twice now. We're going to be up at US 131 in August. You know that's a fabulous track. Maryland, we'll be down there at the at the end of August, and we go to Memphis. I mean, we I couldn't couldn't ask for a better set of tracks. The only track that we're really going to that, that we haven't either gone to with a national event or, or a program race is the one this weekend uh, in Wilkesboro. That is a very nice track. You know, it doesn't really get a lot of attention. I don't think on the, on the national landscape, but very, very well run, very nice place, nice people. And they, you know, they're one of the ones that called us when they saw the format and said, hey, we, this is exactly what we've been looking for. Can we host one of these? I mean, they called us. I didn't even call them. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, we're going to support that. I mean, you, you, you can't put a price tag on the passion that those folks have for what we're doing. Yeah, no doubt. And sounds like you're spreading it out very well through the Midwest, Southwest, uh, and obviously on the East Coast. So, uh, giving a lot of people an opportunity to, to participate in this uh, series. So, man, it, it sounds like a wonderful thing. We obviously wish you guys a lot of luck this weekend, and, and hopefully you get some better weather forecast. I know it ain't always bad weather that hurts events. It's bad weather forecast, yeah. but hopefully you get dealt some better cards than you've been getting. But before I let you go, you talked about kind of a 10-year plan that, that you guys don't go into these things uh, looking short-term, you look long-term. How do you see the series moving forward into 2019? Are you looking to kind of stay where you're at? Do you want to expand to more events? What kind of changes, if any, are you looking at for 2019? Well, your you know your obvious your internal instinct is is always do more. But we've learned over the course of time, and and I've learned the lesson personally that sometimes you know more is not better. What I would like to do is make these set of events, you know, give them another year to grow. We've got to somehow connect the sportsman racer to the contingency component of this series you know, and I know Luke knows, I mean, you guys pretty much make your living on contingency. The sportsman guys have never had a national contingency program dropped in their lap before. So we've got thousands of dollars uh, sitting there. And over the course of the first couple of races, you know, I'm I'm embarrassed to tell you, I mean, other than, you know, summit and maybe a couple of other decals, these guys don't have a lot of decals on their car. They're not, they're not even, looking at the program, they don't even know what it is. And when you tell them, you know, my gosh, I'm looking at your car here and you got, you know, 2000 more dollars coming to you, but you didn't participate in the, in the program. And and they oh. look at you like deer in the headlight, you know, I did what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> all, you, all you have to do is be a member of IHRA and, 
here's the sheet, put these stickers on, you already own the product, you know, that, oh, I have no idea, <laughs> you know. So oh, yeah, that's, it's, that's a whole nother battle we have to fight, but that's part of the scaling process. You know, these manufacturers, they do a lot of business, obviously, at, at you know, national and divisional races, but there are five or six times more racers at the local level than there ought to be at a divisional race. So they are really interested in trying to get to the local guys, but they have no way to do it because it would cost them a fortune to be at a hundred tracks every week. So this is the avenue that they can, they can participate in. We just have to get the rate, the local racers dialed into, you know, what a contingency program is and, and what you have to do kind of the stuff that, you know, maybe you and I might take for granted. It's pretty new to the rest of these guys. So yeah. I, I want to make sure that, we're on the right footing before we start expanding. I don't want to, you know, just take it to a place just to take it to a place, you know, and I'll give you a good, for instance, you know, we are the company that owns IHRA also owns Maryland and Memphis and Cordova and Palm beach. And we only went to two of those four tracks that we own or that our company owns because we want to make sure that we're right in established markets before we branch out. You know, I, I would love mm. to to get one of these things down at Immokalee or Palm Beach and, and get the Florida guys, you know, get closer to the Florida guys, but we got to make sure it's right before we do it. And, uh, and that's not going to happen overnight. So if we do basically 20 races or 10 weekends, if we do that again next year, I'll be satisfied. Summit, you know, is already they're they're in a multi-year agreement. They know, they know this isn't an overnight deal, so they're already on board for next year. So that's not really an issue. It's just let's make sure these are good, and then we'll move forward and try to try to expand. We just for the initial couple of years, we just wanted to get a, as wide of a footprint as we could geographically, and um, you know, and, and see because what works in state capital doesn't work in Maryland and what they like in Maryland, they don't like it. US 131. So we kind of have to yeah. tailor this thing, you know, to the market and that's going to take a little time. That's great points. And, you know, I'm of the mind that any business opportunity or business model needs, uh, you know, a mission, a focus and effort. And it sounds like the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular has all of that and so much more. So, Scooter, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you for helping us understand a little bit more about the Summit Sportsman Spectacular, and we're hopefully doing our part to get some awareness out there. Uh, guys, get out, join the IHRA, be a part of this series. This is the race you tell your your neighbor at the track every week that you want to be a part of, and it's it's coming to a track near you for the most part. So make sure you join it. Scooter, is there... Anything that we didn't cover about the Summit Sports and Spectacular or IHRA that, that we need to talk about, I hate to put you on the spot like that, but if there was something you wanted to get out there that I missed, I want to cover that. I think we covered the, the big points. If there's anything we missed, we go to great lengths to make it available for everyone. If you just go to IHRA.com, uh, there's a big blue box in the top right-hand corner with all the events, and it's got links for everything you'd ever want to know, all the flyers, all the rules, pre-registration. If you don't know what's going on, it's because you're not looking. There's plenty of information there. And, and uh, thanks to, to you guys, you and Luke, for, you know, getting the word out for us. And, and uh, you know, on a, on a personal note, thank you guys for your uh, your show. I mean, as a sportsman racer, I dig it. And uh, I try to listen to all the ones I can listen to. And, and uh, as a sanctioning body official, you know, I appreciate you guys shining a light on, on sports and racing, you know, regardless of the sanctioning body.
Well, thank you very much, Scooter. It means a lot to us. We appreciate you tuning in when you can. Thank you for joining us tonight. And guys, again, go to IHRA.com. The membership directions are right there for you. Get signed up. Collect your money. These guys are trying to give you more money than you've collected at uh, races that you've been attending just for, through contingencies and through supporting companies that support the IHRA. So take advantage of it. Scooter, thank you so much. We appreciate your time and hope you have a great night. Thanks, Chad. You too. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's on Tap! All right, Luke, some great racing on tap again. Uh, we say this every week, but it truly is the case. Once again this week, whether you like to, to bracket race or whether you choose to run an HRA uh, series event, but we'll start out with the Flat Out Gaskets Liberty Classic there at Kill Care Dragway, a uh, loose rocker promotion event. Looks like a lot of people are getting excited about that one, and I'm sure that Anthony Walton and Michael Beard are going to once again do a great job there with the Liberty Classic. Over on the IHRA side, they got the Sportsman Spectacular at Wilkesboro Dragway in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Hopefully, I haven't looked at any weather, but hopefully they're getting somewhat of a break from what they've uh, been dealt here early part of the year. And they'll get a great event in there at Wilkesboro. Division 1, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sound like you want to say something. I was just going to say NHRA, after what, four consecutive weekends of national events, right? We went to Joliet, Virginia, Bristol, Norwalk. Yeah, finally a week off on the NHRA National Event Tour. But uh, Division One, there's no letting up in the summertime for Division One. That's when they got to pack their races in. So Lucas Oil Series event at Lebanon Valley up in New York. And we went mentioned this last week. Last week, the price was wrong, Bob. <laughs> this week, the Price is Right rescheduled Price is Right event at Huntsville Dragway. It was originally scheduled for last weekend. Again, the price was wrong. Uh, we'll move it to this week. The price is right. And what is that, Jake? Did 10 and a 20, 10, something that's like that? That's a 10, 20, 10, yeah, for a, a low entry fee. I think it's only about 300 bucks, and it's going to be a great event there at Huntsville Dragway. Um, although it is only about an hour and a half from me, I will not get to attend as I am preparing to uh, get headed to Bristol early next week for the uh, 12th annual BT World Foot Break Challenge. So Ooh, we'll talk right more about the corner, Big Jed. That is. That's next week, but it's uh, that's here. That's happening. So really excited about it. And we'll talk a little bit more about that and what's on tap next week. But pretty much, Luke, that wraps us up. Uh, this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is coming to a close. I want to say thanks to our great sponsors, uh, Seabrook Performance, the IHRA, and this is Bracket Racing Elite. And I know you're just a touch off your game, but how about a special shout-out session right here? All right, all right. You know you know, I couldn't just let the show go. I had to come back for shout-outs. Okay, I got to close this thing out. Yeah, this, is, this has become my thing now. Shout-out, obviously, Jack Noah Bogacki. Welcome to the world, big fella. Shout-out to Big <laughs> Brother Gary. Shout-out to my beautiful wife, Jessica, who was awesome throughout the whole process. Shout-out to Dylan Huff. 15-year-old NHRA Western Conference Finals champion who we talked about earlier. A shout-out to Jake Howard. Shout-out to the Love Machine. Mm-hmm. And while we're at it, shout-out to the Fire Turd. Right? I mean, I don't want to – we're an equal opportunity <laughs> podcast here, Big Jed. Yes. Shout-out to my buddy Chris Dollar. 
shout out to my version of a decade. I said that it was John Bridges took a decade off, and then immediately Mark came in with the accurate information that it had been 21 years since John Bridges B&M Series World Championship. So shout out to my version of a decade or two. That they think that happens when you get older, Big Jed. You youngins, you youngins, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, you youngins that didn't know who Stephen Hughes was or don't like my version of a decade, just get over yourself. And shout out to Michael Pennington, who Jed, I think we could come up with a better introduction for than the guy that lost to Luke by a thousandth of a second. <laughs> Michael has done incredible things in his racing yeah. career. Lots of skins on the wall. We can do better. We will do better. Shout out, Michael Pennington. Yes, that was terrible, Michael. I apologize. Uh, no relation. He is, again, as I've said, part of the Skinningtons from uh, Texas. And <laughs> I guess maybe I'm just envious or jealous or something. And it made me say something I shouldn't have said. My apologies. Luke, finally, shout out to you uh, again, Father, for the second time. Congratulations. Very happy for you guys, and um, we know you got stuff to tend to, so we'll wrap this up. We want our listeners to tell us what you think. Guys, be sure to message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, or you can at either of us on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X, and that'll do it for this week. We appreciate you listening, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it. I am already winning in foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck just to try my luck. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>